Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Connor. You know, I when I was a kid, many, many moons ago, I, I really loved watching Disney's uh, Robin Hood movie, their, their kind of treatment of that story. And we watched it growing up. It's, you know, it's still one of my favorite stories. We love talking about it. We all know the story. So I thought today we could talk about the story of Robin Hood and how it connects to a lot of the principles that we've talked about in past episodes. That's where I think a lot of the stuff is fun, where we can kind of connect stories we're all familiar with and, and analyze it through our economic way of thinking and, and try and understand how these things apply. So for the you know one or two people out there who are unfamiliar with the story of Robin Hood, right? It's a story of how this outlaw, in other words, someone who is is violating the law, uh, they've committed a crime by government standards, and uh, he's famous for you know the quote about Robin Hood is he robbed from the rich to give to the poor, and to listeners, you know, to some people, uh, this may sound like uh, communism or socialism, right? You're you're stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Uh, these isms, communism, socialism, we, we've talked about these isms in past episodes. We're not going to dive into this quite yet, but we want to address why the Robin Hood story isn't quite the same as communism. But but back to the story, he and his gang of merry men, they're also outlaws as well. You know, they've left society, they've, they've gone off the grid, you might say, and and they've started their own community in the forest, but they're constantly being pursued by uh, the government. And, and, you know, there's a lot to unpack here. Let me first pause, Brittany, get your thoughts. So tell me your thoughts on the Robin Hood story, Brittany. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. Like you, I grew up with the cartoon with the fox. I think he's a fox, right? Isn't that what he is? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the guy that's essentially blue from Jungle Book, but just like a different color, like it's the same character. <laughs> I've never understood that. Uh, but when I was a kid was when the Kevin Costner one came out. And I know some of the parents will remember that because, one, I loved the soundtrack. Because it was that uh, was it Brian Adams is that his name Brian Adams was really I big back in the day oh you know you everything I do I do it for you remember that song oh yeah it was yeah. everywhere yeah uh, so I loved that I watched the VHS of that version all the time there was also Robin Hood Men in Tights which was like satirical it was like a like a joke movie of the the Robin Hood one but um, big fan of the story because I love like underdogs and civil disobedience and I feel like this story kind of has both those things in there because you have Robin Hood and his his gang of I always want to call them lost boys but I think they were called the merry men um you know kind of escaping the government going off and starting their own thing um so yeah but let's let's go back to the whole rob from the rich to give to the poor mantra um what what is that part of the story Connor if you can explain that in a little bit more detail um, you know, so so Robin Hood, like the easy way to think about it, the story that everyone says is he's stealing from the rich to to give to the poor. Um, and <laughs> the interesting thing about this is that that little catchphrase that's popular isn't quite, you know, accurate. That's not the main characteristic in especially in the modern adaptations of, of Robin Hood. It's like a myth within the myth. And, and so, you know, if you look back at the original story, the Sir Walter Scott's, you know, Ivanhoe published in 1820. Uh, that's where we get kind of the story of Robin Hood. And, and I didn't realize look, that. That's interesting. Yeah, when you, when you look at these early influences, the Robin Hood um, in Ivanhoe sets up this, uh, like, like we said earlier, right, this self-governed band of merry men. And they're not fighting rich people. It's not stealing from the rich. Uh, they're fighting the tyrannical political establishment, Right. And, and he's not just handing out money to people. He's actually distributing it to his merry uh, men 
according to their you know rank and their merit and uh you know and so he he loves you know especially in the movie the the cartoon disney and everything they're they're always kind of poking fun at the people in power and they're playing pranks on them and they're kind of getting at them but but the whole idea here the problem with with uh robin hood is he's fighting illegitimate uh, uh illegitimate authority so in the 19th century uh howard Pyle he wrote and illustrated the merry adventures of robin hood and uh and this explains that the band of men came to sherwood to escape wrong and oppression they vowed and i'm quoting here they vowed that even as they had been despoiled they would despoil their oppressors whether baron which is like a king kind of thing a governor whether baron abbot knight or squire and so these guys their whole aim is rebellion and and their secondary aim is you know redistribution of the wealth that they confiscate the the, the underlying goal in robin Hood is not to steal money from rich people and give it to the poor the goal is to fight back against oppressors and the view is for the merry men and robin hood is that the money that these guys have is not theirs that they they took it they stole it they they you know expropriated it to use a really fancy term they, they took it from other people in in effect robin hood and the merry men are taking money from the oppressors who took it from other people and then finding ways to kind of you know give the money back to the people of course it's impossible to know exactly who gets how much money and how much was so it's not like it's this perfect way of returning the money to each person but the principle is that that robin hood is not some kind of like you know thief that's stealing money from wealthy people who legitimately earned the money themselves he and the merry men are fighting back against oppressors and making sure uh that you know their primary goal is to kind of tear down these institutions of power and say you know you're wrong i mean again the quote from the the merry adventures of robin hood right their goal was to quote escape wrong and oppression and vowed that even as they had been despoiled or or rather uh robbed uh, from that they would despoil their oppressors and so that to me is the true story of robin hood right or wrong you know you can argue that well is that right to you know try and steal from the government who stole from other people there's there's some interesting debates to be had there but the kind of popularized version that that robin hood is stealing from the rich to give to the poor is not at all accurate and in fact it's it's quite inaccurate in terms of what the robin hood story is actually about i think the cartoon did a good job of this because in the cartoon obviously there's only like 10 characters because they can't they're not going to draw but they're not going to see again but you actually see them having to pay like give up their last you know shilling or whatever it is for taxes and then you see them rob the the government and give it right back so that that's that's kind of cool because you see it like right away go back to the right person instead of this like redistribution thing but that is in the cartoon every story is a little bit different and there's another aspect about uh that kind of ties into what we talk about on this show a lot and that is the merry men themselves and again every version is a little different so the version that i know is the one with kevin costner from the 90s so that's the story i'm going to go off of but one thing i loved about this is they had this really intricate little village like in the trees of, of well sherwood forest right isn't that what they call it yep yeah sherwood forest um, but it was like they were they were practicing self-governance. Like it was a it was a <laughs> a voluntary community, which you and I have talked about a lot on the show, and we've given a few different examples. But it was a voluntary community where everyone kind of kept, you know, kept their key or did did their part, but not not in like a weird communism way. And ultimately they were just trying to stay away from government. They were just trying to be left alone. And again, we've talked about that on on several shows that you should have the right to be left alone. 
so that part has always struck me because whenever I think of like what what this libertarian ideal society would look like, I think back to the 90s version of the movie where they had mm-hmm. all these cool tree houses. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for a kid growing up. Yep. That, that like an amazing way to live. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's interesting to me here. Uh, to me, one of the lessons from this story is that, uh, you know, that game telephone, Brittany, right? Yes. Where someone comes up with something, they repeat it to the next person who then secretly repeats it to the next person. And you, and you go on and on, maybe five, 10, 20 people. And by the end, the message has changed because especially if it's a longer message or a complicated message, right? Uh, like if, if you just repeat the word, you know, hello, then that, that's not going to change. Everyone can remember and then repeat hello. But if, if you're playing the game of telephone and you say, you know, uh, political corruption needs to be dismantled because individuals should be able to keep their own money that they worked hard to get. Pass it on. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, then, and then the person listening to that is going to be like, uh, You'd be the coolest that. kid at the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so then they're repeating it. And what are they going to repeat? Not that whole thing. Maybe they're going to say, um, political corruption is bad and people should be able to keep their money. Right. And, and then maybe the next person still struggles with that. And then they just be like, uh, political corruption tries to take people's money, right? Because that's all they can remember. And pretty soon by the end, you have a, a message that's quite different. Um, and so to me, the interesting thing here with the Robin Hood story, right, is, is and we see countless examples like this where there's meaning in this story, there's substance, there's interesting insights. And yet each time the story is, is repeated or it's retold, right, by a new company making another movie, adding their twist on it. And and now that movie, like for you, right, the Kevin Costner one, that is like cemented in your mind yep. about the Robin Hood story. <laughs> and, and then pretty soon people have never even read anything about Robin Hood. They just watched maybe not even the whole movie. Maybe they saw a clip on YouTube. And to them, all they know about Robin Hood is that simple little catchphrase, like in the a telephone game right now robin hood's story has uh, boiled down to rob from the rich to get to the poor and people equate the story of robin hood right uh with that phrase much like you know even he's scrooge right like he the, the the boiled down version in the game of telephone is that he's he's a scrooge we have a name for it now mm-hmm. and not that maybe there's some interesting economic uh, ideas to come to his defense so so to me the frustration here is like you know, it's like reading an original work. This is why, you know, for the older kids, especially when you can go back and read the source of something, when you can read original documents, right? Imagine what do they call what, that, like primary source or primary documents, uh, right? Is what we'll call them in academia. Ab- absolutely. You go to primary sources, not secondary, which is someone else kind of summarizing it, right? That's like the Cliff Notes version, right? It's, <laughs> or a textbook. Imagine, that would be like the textbook. And then you'd yeah. go, the primary document would be like the footnote in the textbook. Absolutely. So like imagine reading the Constitution as an example, that would be your your primary source, your primary document and a secondary one. To your point, it could be a textbook about it. It could be a summary. It could be an article, someone who tries to kind of retell and, and explain what's in the Constitution. And especially for younger kids. Right. This is helpful because reading longer, um, more complicated primary sources, especially if they were written centuries ago, sometimes be hard to understand. And so we benefit from other people who simplify it for us and who summarize it. The danger is that when the story gets retold by someone else, they get to inject their own perspectives. They might say they might omit the fact that Robin Hood was a rebel fighting tyrannical power and simply say, oh, yeah, he was stealing from rich people. Well, it just so happens that those rich people were in the government and they stole their money from other people through taxes. <laughs> you left out an important detail. 
And so to me, that the lesson, one of the lessons here, Brittany, that I'm that I take away from the story is it's so uh, much more interesting to always go to kind of the original source and try and fully understand what's happening rather than relying on other people, teachers, textbooks, internet websites, whatever, to kind of tell you what something means. It's always good to try and go to the source and understand it ourselves. Not only is it good, it's it's really interesting. One part, one primary document or source that I like to rely on is letters, especially the founders have letters that they wrote back and forth to each other. Um, not to get on a side tangent about the founders, but it's really fun to one, see how people spoke in conversation with each other uh, back in the day because it changes from different eras. So that's always, maybe I'm a nerd, but that's always been really interesting to me. And also, I just think you get a lot out of correspondence. You reading correspondence is another word for like letters, people communicating with each other. So uh, yeah, if you get the chance and whatever you're looking at has letters, highly recommend it. It's very entertaining. Yeah, and and there's so much insight here. I mean, sticking with the Robin Hood story, like if you can go back and read some of the earlier versions and, and try and glean uh, from them their their original meaning, you know, it, it changes the dynamics. Suddenly you understand what the you know, the original idea was about suddenly when you're watching Robin Hood, like there's an opportunity to learn and, and there's there's conversations that can come from that. Like we said earlier, right? Should you uh, uh, try and steal from the government that stole from other people? <laughs> or right? is it or, I mean, bad, right? Is that it? Should that be a crime? It's all these, that, these discussions. Right. Is that immoral? Uh, you know, certainly it's illegal because the government doesn't want you to take <laughs> the money that they took. But but is it immoral? Maybe, maybe not. That's an interesting discussion you know, to have, or, or if someone steals your bike, right? Can you go steal it back? Well, it's not theirs. It doesn't belong to them. Right. Uh, but, but what about if someone steals, you know, Bobby's bike down the road, can you go steal it? And, and if you know it's Bobby's, you should give it back to Bobby. But what if you know that, that some gangster stole a bike and you, you know, that it's not his, can you steal that? But then can you keep it? Right. Like, is that any better? Where's the line drawn? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. These are interesting questions. And, and again, when we understand what's really happening in the story, these are fun questions that we can talk about to try and understand like what's right, what's wrong. Uh, rather than just like clearly if you're stealing from people whether they're rich or poor that's wrong and so the the story that robin hood was stealing from the poor immediately casts him in a bad light he's a thief and he's distributing his ill-gotten goods to other people who shouldn't have it that that's all wrong but that's boring i mean because we all watch that story or that movie or that presentation and we know it's wrong whereas if we understand the true robin hood story it introduces these questions and suddenly it becomes interesting. And maybe there is no right and wrong answer. Maybe it's open to debate and we can have a conversation about that. And then it becomes much more interesting. So we're going to link uh, to an interesting article about this on the show notes page. So head to TuttleTwins.com slash podcast. Um, and we'll link you to that article, which is uh, really interesting to, to learn about some of these earlier instances of Robin Hood and how the messages kind of changed. So head to the show notes page. Thanks as always for subscribing, you guys. And until next time, Brittany, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.